Amen. Well, for the past few weeks, we've been going through worship, and I don't know if you know that or not, but, but we've been touching on the atmosphere of heaven, why we worship, what it is, why it's important to, to go through that. And so today, I just wanted to talk about why do it. What is the point of talking about worship? What's the point of reading these scriptures? Who cares what heaven looks like? So today, I want to go over that. When I was in Bible school, this is horrible, <laughs> but when I was in Bible school, we would learn stuff in order to outperform our classmates. We would gain biblical knowledge in order to out-spiritualize our teachers. They had something they used to call caffeinated conversations where we'd go to a cap coffee shop and just ask dumb questions about, well, you know, what happens if the angels are really 11 feet tall and not 12 feet tall? And just dumb stuff like that in order for us to sound like we're more important than everybody else. So anytime that we go to the scriptures, anytime we go to the word, I never want us to read the word in order to increase our biblical knowledge. Um, because as much as it feels so good to be an arrogant jerk, it's so repulsive. So when we go to scriptures, we don't go to the word in order to increase our biblical knowledge. We go to the word in order to be transformed. Amen? Well, have you ever asked yourself why we, why we read all these things? Like when we go through Isaiah and we talk about, well, you know, there's pillars shaking and then there's some kind of animal that's around the throne. Well, it looks like this. The throne of God looks like this. And then there's these weird things that, that flip around and then there's wheels. But they're not real wheels. They're different wheels and they're on fire. Like why, like why in the world do we read all that craziness? Is it so that we can be the smartest people in the church? Like is that why we read all that stuff? I'll do one better. Is it so that we can be the holiest people in the church? You know, we read that stuff so we can be holy. You ever met those people and say, oh, I'm just so holy, right? Is it, do we read that stuff in order so that we can have this detailed blueprint of the way heaven is laid out? Like when we look at the structural plans of heaven, do we say, God, you know, I, I could see the way you constructed your throne and it's structurally sound. Like, do we read to get all that stuff? Of course not. So if we don't read to increase our knowledge, if we don't read to increase our holiness, if we don't read um, to increase our idea of what heaven, what's the point? Why is it not a huge waste of time to talk about worship, to talk about the throne of God, to talk about the atmosphere of heaven? I want to read uh, Philippians 4.8. It says, now, uh, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on that which is pure and honorable and right, or I guess and true and honorable and right and pure, lovely, admirable. Think about those things which are excellent and worthy of praise. Why fix our thoughts on that which is worthy of praise? Well, because you're a human who's been created in the likeliness of God. You look just like God, you act just like God. And one of the funny things is, your imagination will tend to manifest itself around you. So whatever's going on in here will tend to work out around here. So as we fix our thoughts on heaven, we will watch heaven manifest itself around us. And as we fix our thoughts on darkness, we will watch man or darkness manifest around us. See, there was a guy that was born in 1889 in Austria. And he came of age at a time that all these other countries were oppressing Austria and in that region. And so he came of age with this mindset of an empire that was noted for its racial and political cleansing. Because all these other nations were telling this nation what they could and couldn't do. So he rose up 
said, I'll create a place where nobody tells us what to do. We will kick all these foreigners out and we will create a pure race. And so in 1934, uh, Adolf Hitler began manifesting his vision across Europe. So why do bad things happen to good people? Is it because God wants us to suffer? No. Is it that he's a bad dad and he doesn't realize what his kids are doing? No. Bad things happen to good people because someone let a vision from hell bloom in their heart and they partnered with that and manifested hell on earth. And people get caught up in that sway. So we can't see someone make dumb choices and go, well, you know, God has a plan. Yeah, he has a plan. It has nothing to do with that right there. Well, 10 years after uh, Hitler uh, was defeated, we had a group of people here in the South, actually, um, that set a different vision in front of their eyes, where Hitler was one for racial purity. There was a group of people here that set on their eyes desegregation and unity in the South. And they put that vision in front of their eyes, so much so that a movement burned across America. And it dethroned and overthrew a racist, demonic principality that had made its home here. And because a few people put in front of their eyes, I don't have to live like this anymore. We don't have to live like this anymore. We can go somewhere else. That demonic entity that everyone had just agreed to, they had a mindset of oppression, mindset of we're better than everybody else. And when someone said, no, heaven doesn't look like that, that demonic power destabilized. Is racism dead in America? Of course not. <laughs> you know, hatred will never die out until, uh, until we're in heaven. And did it happen overnight? No, but it did happen. Something happened in America, in the South, that changed the way we do business. And the South will never be like that ever again because a few people got it in their minds that we can have something different. See, your vision impacts all future generations that come after you. Sometimes it feels like we're not doing anything in our generation because you're not working for your generation right now. You're working for 10 generations down the line. See, what happens if we take Philippians 4.8 and fill our mind with the visions that are worthy of praise. Well, what vision is more worthy of praise than Jesus? In heaven, on his throne, clothed in glory, arrayed in majesty. You know, it says that in Isaiah that even the highest of heavens struggle with the presence of the Lord. We see through Isaiah, and every time that the voice of the Lord sounds in heaven, it says that the doorframes shake. Uh, David says in, in Psalms that the highest of heaven can't contain you. How much less you dwell here on earth. So if we fix in front of our eyes a vision of heaven, not just racial or equality, not just working against the junk that Hitler released in Europe, what happens if we fix our vision on heaven itself? In uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 it's a verse that talks about as we stand there gazing into his glory, that glory transforms us into the very self-image. So as I see Jesus, as I see Jesus in worship and as I see Jesus in the word and in my friendships and in my family, just the mere sight of catching Jesus transforms me into Jesus. That's how he does that. That's how the Holy Spirit operates. We get a snapshot of what glory looks like and we are pulled into that wake 
to transform us into the very self-same image. You know, when I was a kid, my dad, like when I'd stand in front of the TV, say, son, you make a better door than you do a window. You ever been told that? Well, one of the funny things about the glory of the Lord, that just the fact of standing in the glory transforms me from a nasty door into a window. Like I don't have to move, I don't have to get out of his way because his glory reflects right through me. And it takes the glory that I'm seeing in front of me and it pours it out onto a world that's behind me. See, the Lord's Prayer in uh, Matthew 6, there's a mission, should you choose to accept it. Do you have to do this? No. Can you not do this and still get into heaven? Of course. But there's something there for you. If you elect to do this, there is something for you. It says in Matthew 6, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How in the world do we bring heaven to earth? Like, have you ever thought that? Like, heaven on earth. I can't even work it out at the DMV, much less in the rest of my family. Like, I can't bring heaven on earth in the DMV. Well, we establish heaven on earth the same way that Hitler established the Third Reich in Germany. We establish heaven on earth the same way that the civil rights leaders established a different culture in the South. In Matthew 18, there's like a snapshot of how we do this. It says in Matthew 18, 18, I tell you the truth. So is he lying to us? No. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. See, we are air traffic controllers of the heavenly realm. I don't know if you know this or not, but there are battles being fought above your heads right now. When you wake up in the morning, there's a battle being fought. When you go to bed at night, there's a battle being fought over you. There are angels that are sent from heaven with missions here on earth, and there are demons sent from hell with missions here on earth. Well, which side wins? The side that wins is the one that you let win. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in the heavenlies. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in the heavenlies. See, we allow and we get to dictate which planes come from the heavenlies and land here on earth. See, we are also conduits or pipelines of whatever kingdom we fix our mind on. If we fix our mind on the kingdom of heaven, we are a conduit of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And the the opposite is true as well. Well, as we are a conduit and we release that kingdom here on earth, it flares up. Is it ever anything big? Very rarely. It's usually something really small. And when we see that little flare up of the kingdom of heaven, we can then choose to permit that and partner with that and we blow that little spark into a fire. Or we can choose to, have you ever, can you guys do that? Like, I've always been afraid to grab a candle flame. I know that it's, it's possible and people do it and they don't burn the house down, but I just, I'm too afraid to do that. We can douse whatever kingdom we manifest or we can permit it and blow it into this fire. We can exaggerate it. Hitler and Dr. King both had dreams. And based on the dreams that they had, based on the vision that they had, they partnered with what they saw around them as being uh, productive towards that dream. They had a dream of what they wanted to accomplish. And when they would see something that lined up with that dream, they poured energy into it. And when they saw something that sought to undermine that dream, they warred against it. 
They permitted or forbade, forbade, is that right? Forbade. Those things that either supported or came against their vision. See, it's our calling here on earth to figure out what heaven looks like and to bring that into earth by partnering with it. And does it happen overnight? No, it doesn't happen overnight. But day by day, moment by moment, in the words of the great Michael McDonald, minute by minute, we see that kingdom rising and rising and rising, and there's a momentum that builds up. So the question is, are you willing to make choices for future generations? You know, way back when, in the days of Martin Luther, you know, people would pray for months to get saved. You know, they would, they would talk about it, how they would sit there and wrestle with the truths of Scripture until they felt an assurance of salvation. And today, if you come up, if you are not saved, if you don't know Jesus, we can take care of it in five minutes. We can, we can fix that. You know, way back when, people used to pray all night, like five, six days in a row, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, today we can fix that in five minutes. Well, so today we are sitting in a really weird circumstance is when people come up for healing, not everyone gets healed. And sometimes we spend time praying and praying and praying and praying to pray ourselves through to see a manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. Well, the reason why we can get someone saved like that is because our great, great, great grandfathers pushed for it. And now it's easy. Our great-great-grandfathers pushed for a release of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our culture, and now we have it. Will this generation, will you sitting in the pews at Cookville, Tennessee, push to see the kingdom of heaven so that your grandkids get to experience things that we have to work for? See, I know that every grandparent and every parent sitting in this room knows that. You go to work, not because it's the greatest thing in the world, you go to work to provide a better future for your children than you had. You work hard so your kids get to experience things that you don't have to or that you didn't get to. Well, the kingdom of heaven is like that. Are we willing to make choices for future generations? Not just me, not just here, not just right now, for future generations. See, you are tasked, if you were tasked to rebuild the magic kingdom here in Cookville, Tennessee, brick by brick, well, styrofoam fake brick by styrofoam fake brick, If someone came up to you and said, hey, I want to rebuild Disney World in Cookville, the best use of your time would simply be wandering around Disney World, taking in the sights, looking at what's going on in Disney World. Because how can you rebuild something if you're not familiar with it? Well, our mission is to rebuild heaven on earth. And it's only in times of genuine worship that we start seeing snapshots of what the atmosphere of heaven is like. It's only in times of genuine worship where we start realizing what we're supposed to permit and forbid. See, we can't just assume that we know what heaven's like because I promise you, it's always wrong. We can't just trust the fact that our brains will automatically build heaven here on earth. You know, we can't even blindly enforce the things that we see in scripture. Do you know the slave traders used to use Bible verses to support what they did? Whole sermons used to be preached about how we, as you know, white America, was leading the world in the right order from the Bible. 
See, when those without the heart of God use the word of God, they spread defeat instead of victory. The same way that a kid does when he finds his dad's shotgun. So whenever you see someone using the word of God and they don't have the heart of God, be careful. Because even the written word without the spirit blowing across it will get you into trouble. See, the only way that any of this works is if each one of us personally catches a glimpse of heaven. That's the only way that we transform in fr from a door into a window. Like we can't, I can't coast. I can't tailgate. I can't ride on someone's coattails. Me, Justin Grant, sitting up here. I'm on staff at a church. I get paid to be spiritual. And it's not enough. I personally have to catch a glimpse of heaven all day, every day, in order for me to do what I need to do. Because I can't even work on what happened last month. If I'm working on old uh, issued orders, I will mess it up. Because it's what's the, what the Spirit is speaking to us right here, right now. Now, as we partner with the will of heaven and forbid the dominion of hell, we transform our culture for all future generations. Like your kids can say, I want to go back and live in bondage. I hate it for you. We fixed it. You can't go back there. We've already destroyed those old castles. So that's the point of sitting in sermons about worship. That's the point of sitting in times of worship is to catch a glimpse of heaven for yourself. Is it for you to sing songs? Does God need songs? Does God forget how good he is? Is he up there going, oh, I'm having an identity crisis. I wish someone could praise me. Let me know how good I am. No, he doesn't need that. God doesn't need anything from anybody. He is entirely self-sufficient. But when we worship and we press in to the atmosphere of heaven, there is something that transforms on the inside of us. And that's the point. That's the point that we read scripture is in order for ourselves to be transformed. So what's the point of the sermon? Well, that's an entirely different matter. Um, you see, like all of our lives are like surfing. Just go with me. We are floating around in our lives, all pointed in different directions, not having a clue what's going on. And all day, every day, waves of glory and waves from heaven are passing us by. And you can say, well, I didn't feel anything. Do you know that a tsunami, the greatest tsunami that's ever hit earth, when you're out to sea, it's barely a ripple. You don't realize the power of a tsunami until it gets near shore. So we're all sitting here floating out into the ocean, um, terrified that little fish are gonna bite our, our you know, toes, not having a clue what we're doing. But if we position ourselves right, instead of that wave passing us by, we catch that wave. And once you catch that wave, it takes you places that you would have never wanted to go. It takes you for the ride of your life. Well, how do we position ourselves? Well, we forget all the other waves that we passed by. Forget about what could have been because we, we miss it. All day, every day we miss it. There's not, never a time in our lives that we're not missing it. So forget all the things that you could have accomplished. Forget all the cynicism, all the offense, all the bitterness. Is it possible to let that stuff go? Because that stuff acts like anchors on your surfboard. 
And if you hold on to bitterness and cynicism and unforgiveness, you will go nowhere. If you'll drop that stuff, position yourself right, set in front of your eyes a vision of heaven, a vision of glory, I promise you, you will get taken places that you never thought possible. The big problem is that once we catch that wave, we have to go with the flow. And ironically, it's not a flow that we're usually comfortable with. That's what Pastor Paul's whole sermon series has been about. How do we catch and go with the flow of heaven? Because when we get in charge, we try to pull a different direction. God, surely you mean us to go this way. No, I want you to go this way. The, the waves that come from heaven, the direction from heaven, will take us different places than anyone in this room would go, logically. That's why we have to just let go and trust that he's going to take us where we need to go. Because we have uh, so much stuff going on uh, this morning, I wanted to try to be brief and I accomplished. But if you're sitting there, be mindful. What's dragging you down? Are you holding on to anything that feels like a weight? Are you frustrated? Are you irritated? Well, we're about to transition into a time of communion, and it says to examine yourself, to be mindful, to watch what's going on in our hearts. And if you can go ahead and come on up. To be mindful of what's going on in our hearts. And as we go before the Lord, before the, the table, let's let that stuff go. And let's go for a ride, amen?